0: Yeah, it's time for another Ampersand and Sons podcast with me, the Macho Man Bailey, and Hulk Finn. Hi, Hulk Finn.
1: I'm not doing the voice, Macho Man Bailey. <laughs> How's it going? Do you need... You don't have to, brother. I'll do, do it for you. Do you need a hero? <laughs>
0: uh, you know.
1: <laughs> in, intro, intro, intro us in before we get in trouble for doing another inside joke that nobody understands.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, we we that's that's the uh, that's the He Man thing, but we'll get there. Yeah. No, the uh me me doing the uh me doing the Hulkamania uh, uh voice, which you know my my brain earlier thought was the Macho Man Savage voice, is because of a spoiler from this episode that I will not reveal yet, but it'll make sense in the fullness of time and in context. So, are you talking uh, yeah. Neil Neil Bailey? Are you talking? Yep. About
1: this last episode of Superman and Lois, which was, in my estimation and the estimation of many TV-watching folk, the single greatest hour of TV
0: that has ever been written. <laughs> well, yes, you know, it's um, it's hard to talk about it because when you gaze into the bright light of it, it hurts your eyes. And uh, regarding of it is like uh, speaking to God. I mean, your your brain starts to unravel and... And you you hear the voice and your your blood starts leaking out of your ears. But yes, yes, I mean, I I am speaking of this hour of television that um you know I I did write about extensively at length. <laughs>
1: All right, and in a universe where there's no such thing as objective morality, which I've been assured by you is the case, uh, or objective reality for that matter, <laughs> I feel. Oh, like... I don't know, brother.
0: Maybe we we'll would have to hash that out in the ring. <laughs> I I feel Saturday night.
1: <laughs> I feel like. We can safely assume that this was, in fact, the greatest hour of TV ever, and that uh, every line of dialogue in it was infinitely better than I am the one who knocks.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, the only thing that comes close is the Tom and Jerry episode where, um, you know, like like they they hit him and and, and, and Tom goes, ah, you remember that one? That one was like, that one had a little bit more substance to it, but only a little. <laughs> All right, bit. intro us in, sir. Well, on this on this week's episode of Superman and Lois, um, many disparate plot elements coalesce around the idea that uh, Morgan Edge's plot has begun to take motion, ending in a surprise reveal that is certainly a left hand turn. <laughs>
1: I would I would be more charitable to it than that, Neil. I would say that we finally get the answers to some questions that we have pondered since the beginning of this series. We got to see some cool stuff happen with Superman that we've never heard before. We got some reveals that were exciting and dramatic, if not necessarily earned. And, uh, <laughs> you know, altogether, I, it was a... Entertaining hour of TV, if not necessarily a quality one. Folks, welcome to Ampersand and Sons, where we are going to do our best (laughs) to not drag you into our wallow of depression over the direction that this show has taken from peak TV Superman to, I mean... Superman is still great in this, and visually it's amazing, and we're still seeing stuff <laughs> that we've never seen before with this character in live action that I am here for, but it ain't peak TV anymore, and perhaps they should have taken the lost approach to answering questions.
0: It's 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 asterisk and son. It's like, you know, lots of wonderful things, asterisk, but for the disparate plot elements. You know, like like um But but, but, but. And it's, Whoa,
1: whoa. Before we dive in to our high, yes. our high praise of this episode, and we have both boys here this week, guys, um, who I am 100% certain will give glowing reviews of it because... Of course they will, They yes. They are enthusiastic Superman fans as you and I were in our youth and are at ages where the things that we say... Are still the trombone noise from Charlie Brown, and they're not really picking up on the same thing right, and so that there's a there's a valid approach in that and a refreshingness to that in in being surrounded by kids that just like what they like
0: and they don't really care. Yes, there is a joy in being able to not think. Critically. Yeah,
1: but whoa, whoa, um, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, well, we'll talk about that in a second. But no,
0: I mean, but, I mean that without condescension. Yes. I, I actually truly enjoy the the simpleness of a child.
1: Yes. But <laughs> before we dive in, there are a couple of pieces of geek news that I would like to talk about. Number, sure. Number one, we talked about this a little bit last week, but we got some cool behind the scenes ish footage for it this week. There is a live action. DC Comics, well, Vertigo Comics, but it's all DC now. Sandman adaptation coming to Netflix, and I am stoked. And they released this two-minute little behind-the-scenes teaser where Neil Gaiman is shown wandering around live-action sets of his pages being like, (laughs) oh, this is
0: amazing. I can't believe I'm seeing this. It's the Undercroft. It's yeah. the undercroft oh so <laughs> I, I, I don't know why i turned neil gaiman into ringo star there that's uh that's not really fair that, that I mean. was
1: that was a little odd
0: so i'm
1: excited for this um there's been one other neil gaiman live action adaptation which was american gods which had one absolutely astonishingly good seasons and so far two se- i think it's over now But two seasons that were better than most TV, but didn't live up to the first season, but still fabulous. Um, I'm excited for this because Sandman was my reintroduction back into comics as a young adult after not having read them since like the end of junior high. Um, and I love that universe. I love those characters. I love that story. I love the play of really psychotic, dark, twisted stuff with the story of optimism and hope and, uh, the hero's journey weirdly inverted and like, it's just cool. And seeing this, this first little bit of enthusiasm from him over it was refreshing. What say you, Neil Bailey?
0: Oh, I think it's going to be uh just as good as it looks. I think um I think one thing that is not likely to happen is we're going to get to the fifth episode and then all of a sudden death is going to start acting irrationally to serve his plot needs. And I do believe that one thing will follow from another from the beginning of the show until the end of the show. So I, I on that basis alone. <laughs> those are some very
1: odd uh assumptions to make and very specific Oddly specific. Oddly specific Oddly <laughs>
0: specific, brother. <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you're probably right.
0: I, I, uh, no, I'm excited. I, when, when, I think it's going to be great. When I mean, ne- I, it, it would be hard not to spike that football. I mean, it'd be great.
1: Well, you've got Netflix, which, when they try, really does produce fantastic original content and kind of get out of the way of creators a lot of the time. And just let them do their thing, like make it as faithful as possible. The fans will come and subscribers will come with it. Um, And then you've got Neil Gaiman directly involved right down to casting choices, which is fantastic. Um, And yeah, no, I'm, I'm... Absolutely thrilled that I've been waiting for a live action adaptation of this since like the early 2000s when it was first rumored to be maybe turned into a movie, maybe turned into a TV series. It's kind of lingered in production hell forever, and uh, and now we get it. And and whatever it turns out to be, I will probably be an unabashed fan of it.
0: I'm gonna give it a shot. Yeah. I certainly want to watch it, I certainly want to see it. Um, I am uh wary. You know, like, I've gotten more and more wary of adaptation. Um, but I I do see that uh, Neil Gaiman is involved, and that is usually what you call a good sign, having the people that were responsible for creating it involved in there. I wonder if Dringenberg is in there. <laughs> but, you know, like... like uh, Yeah, if, it, if, it if def- the
1: creator is excited by it... Because you got to remember, like, at the end of the day, the creators get paid, usually, unless they're directly involved... Just based off of them optioning
0: the property, right? So like right. most, yeah, the, I've I've been optioned.
1: Yeah, <laughs> most of the time, unless your name is uh, Anne Rice, um, when you've had your property optioned, if a thing is good, you say it's good, and if it's bad, you say it's bad. In her case, she gushed glowingly over Queen of the Damned for weird reasons. Um, I think she was an executive producer <laughs> on that movie. But uh, most of the time, that's the end of the involvement. So, I mean, time will tell if Neil Gaiman's enthusiasm for this is authentic or not. But he has been a fairly enthusiastic, approachable, honest person um, from what I've seen and in his dealings online. He wished Ben a happy birthday once on Twitter when Ben got a bunch of uh, Neil Gaiman kids' books for his birthday. Um, Awesome. Yeah. And, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not even cautiously optimistic. I'm stoked. Now... I am also stoked for another property that we got a trailer for today, and I am not stoked for it because I am assured of its quality or pedigree. I am stoked for it because it appealed to the inner five-year-old in me, and that is Masters of the Universe Revelation, (laughs) and if you are under the age of about 30, that is a He-Man cartoon, y'all. We are getting a brand new 40 years later sequel to the original 80s he-masters of the universe he-man cartoon on netflix produced by kevin smith and they dropped a trailer full of weird 80s music energy that included orco who was always the worst part of the original show and i'm here for it like i just sat there and grinned at my tv the whole time and then rewatched it again immediately afterwards
0: i you know i i like i i am a huge he-man masters of the universe fan uh, I watched the 2002 one pretty avidly, even though I was 22 years of old, old and probably uh, a bit old for it. And I and I bought all of the new figures in tw- you know when I was 22 years old. I was I'm I'm a, I'm a Masters of the Universe junkie, honestly. Um, it, it, I like the idea of this show and I'm going to watch the show, but the trailer just didn't, didn't hit for me. Like, uh, the first time I watched it, I ended up turning it off and not finishing it because of the, the, the Bonnie, Bonnie Tyler, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, like, like you're really, you're really just going for the feels. And like, I think what it was is it wasn't n- like, like there's that thing you can do with a star Wars trailer. where like, Oh, that's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, I know that that's R2D2, you know, and you can really get people going. Um, but in this case, it was just smash cut smash cut smash cut, smash cut, smash cut and things without contents, text and 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 no sense of um story. and I know it's a kid's cartoon. but at the same time, like um like i've been I've been ruminating a lot on the way that that people are very much just like, I know this thing, so it's great um lately. And this was very much an example of that. It's like there, there was no attempt to even say this is what the story will be. There was no attempt to say like this is why this is interesting or important. And if you're 40, you're going to get it. Or if you're 25 and you watched the 2002 cartoon when you were a kid, you might get it. But otherwise, it's just like it, it's like some weird kind of look at this in-group thing, uh, you know, and, and, and be like you either want to be part of this or you're dumb, you know, like, like, um, <laughs> I, I've been seeing a lot of idiocracy in everything lately. And, um,
1: <laughs> well, okay. This was, so this
0: reminded me of that. Here's,
1: here's why. And we talked about this back when we were doing the Justice League, uh, the Zack Snyder Justice League deep dive. Here's why I'm on board for it. Um, we have just like, we've, we've spent a year and a bit in this, like, basically under siege by both a world scouring virus um and a political movement that kind of intersected that virus out of uh far right american politics to turn half of our friends into the kind of people that one must mute on facebook rather than unfriending them permanently because we hope that they will eventually <laughs> regain their sanity and Stop misusing the word "commie" all the time. I guess, um, but <laughs> I I appreciate anybody trying to fill that darkness with the
0: warm fuzzies of nostalgia. And yeah, I'm no, gonna watch it. Yeah. I just didn't find it too effective as a trailer. Oh, I did. I thought I, I'm excited for it. I
1: for me those those characters and that those depictions of the characters are etched on my. Consciousness, like I have a picture of me from about mm, a little younger than Milo, I think, and I'd gotten a snake mountain um <laughs> playset with like this voice distorting microphone, like the snake came off the castle yep. and it was the yeah, like that was my childhood was he man action figures and those playsets and building my own stories in it. And the only off-putting thing to me in the entire trailer, everything looked ripped right out of the 80s cartoon, except, except for He-Man himself, who for some weird reason is drawn as if he's a bad guy from Dragon Ball Z. (laughs) Hero Goku. Yeah, like it was super weird. But yeah, no, I'm excited. Like it's, I... I talk about every once in a while the fact that the reason I'm softer on some of this stuff is I'm slobberingly grateful that I get to live in a time where my sensibilities and the things that I love are being aggressively catered to. Um, And I understand the cynical reasons why that's happening, right? Like the, the properties that I loved as a kid have never been really replaced in a way like we in the last 30, 35, 40 years, we've moved from a scarcity model with entertainment to a glut model with entertainment. And so nothing really has a chance to catch anymore. And so they go back to this well from the time of scarcity and go, you loved this thing once upon a time, we're going to update it and bring it back to you. So you'll give us your money. And I recognize that cynical hook on it, but I'm still grateful for it, right? Like, I I get to benefit from somebody else's cynicism.
0: I, uh, you know, I, I was watching Loki today. And, uh, you know, not I'm not going to spoil it so nobody worry. Yeah. But, um, you know, there were things, like little minor character details that I remember reading in comics in, like, 1992. And I'm like, there is now this. I am now seeing this thing yeah. on a screen that, you know, like, if I had mentioned the name of this thing or its properties, would have got me socked by a jock in 1994. Mm-hmm. And now it's like a TV show that if you don't know what it is, it's like, "Hey, nerd, are you watching Loki?" Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's the thing. That, yeah, no, it, it's absolutely something. The Macho Man. If you didn't watch this week's episode of Loki and find out who this minor character was, we're gonna meet in the ring, brother. You know, like <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. <laughs> Actually, Feige- the, the
0: jocks weren't that articulate but you know the, the single greatest, gotta run with the bit
1: the single greatest magic trick that kevin Phi has pulled off and it's akin to what jk rowling was able to pull off when the same year that the xbox um the xbox 360 and the ps2 came out all of a sudden every kid on planet earth in every spoken language suddenly rediscovered a passion to read and this harry potter book exploded out of nowhere um The the magic trick that Kevin Feige has pulled off is taking these obscure geek properties that nobody other than the kids like the kids in Stranger Things. And the fact that Stranger Things is a phenomenon speaks to this uh, weird time that we live in Um, and make it, if you haven't watched this, you are not part of the cultural zeitgeist.
0: (laughs) It is a bit strange. I think that um, we live in a time where uh, it's it's so, you know, looking back the westerns of um, of the last two generations before mine and the way that it was just 10 solid years of this this genre and nobody got sick of it and you always puzzled at it and now we're heading into the second decade of superhero movies and there seems to be no sign of showing down it's like why is that the genre? why did that end up being what it is? and i don't know like if i want it to continue indefinitely or if i want it to cuz see part of me not because i want it to be my special elite club just for me but because now it's becoming about the TV and the movie more than it was the little comics, and it looks like the comics might go out of business even though they're still making money hand over fist to kind, compared to the kind of indie stuff that I do. Um, but you know like, like part of me is like, well you know like it, it, it had a cost, you know, to a degree. Um, now it's so ubiquitous that it's, it's almost um, it's almost like a lot just gets ignored and forgiven because it's gun smoke, you know mm-hmm. Like it's just gun smoke. Don't think about it too hard. You know, whereas so, when it was just say Smallville, there was like like this was the superhero TV show that was on and there was a little bit more regard and a little bit more um, a little bit more desire for it to be something more than it was, you know.
1: So dovetailing into the actual subject of this podcast, Superman and Lois, um, <laughs> there's a parallel there though, in that Superman and Lois was strongest at the beginning when it wasn't being a Superman show. But it wasn't, or, yes. or more specifically, it was a Superman show. It was very explicitly a Superman show, but it wasn't a superhero drama.
0: Well, right? you know what it was? Hold, it was a on, character drama, and now it is a plot. Okay, go ahead. No,
1: no, but it's a superhero drama. And the thing that Marvel, the reason why we keep watching these things the reason why they keep coming out and there's appetite for them, even now, even now we're veering into the age of deconstructions or we're getting stuff like the boys and liking uh, invincible and et cetera. And Watchmen again, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the thing that Marvel and Disney have done that the DC properties have not done which is why they're starting to wear thin and we're starting to see some of the cw verse shows getting canceled and not really getting replaced with anything else and um, it looks like the the end might be nigh for that era of cw tv in the next couple of years um, is because marvel figured out that even though all of these characters are technically superheroes and even though all of these characters come from comic books their stories are not all in the same genre. Right? Yes. Iron Man is explicitly a superhero story. Thor is not. Right? Well, and you're also Captain America. You got a
0: consistency.
1: Yeah, Captain America you, it, they to, to me, I know you liked the first Captain America movie the best. And and the they had diminishing returns over time. But for me, what made um, the second one, Winter Soldier, so incredibly good and kind of signified a a sea change in what they were doing with the movies was they took that character, took him out of a conventional superhero plot and put him into a spy movie plot, which would be his natural habitat.
0: Yes. Well, the the consistency... To be fair, it's not that there were diminishing returns. It's like saying that, uh, you know, like of the three original Star Wars movies, I prefer The Empire Strikes Back to A New Hope. I both, you know, like both of them are movies that I'll watch once a year and love like like nobody's business. But I I think that the first one is the purest of them all. Um, But the other two are the same character. And I think consistently across every Marvel movie, there's not a time where I can say, wow, man, they just dovetailed and changed that character. Maybe with the exception of Thor. They made Thor more jokey, but it was also a natural evolution of his character as he became more human and less godlike. Um, He became more like the people that he was jovial with. Whereas you can't look even from one episode to another of almost any of the CW shows and expect much character consistency outside of the requirements of the
1: plot. Except for Legends of Tomorrow.
0: Well, even so, like I was watching Legends of Tomorrow and internally in the one episode that I watched... It was um, there were some things about some characters that shifted in that episode, but that's not a critique of Legends of Tomorrow because Legends of Tomorrow is bald about what it is. It has absolutely no pretenses that Lois and uh, Superman and Lois presented like it has none of that. It's like this is a campy superhero show. Just enjoy it or bug off. And that is written in the written in the, the the fabric of every inch of that show. Whereas Superman and Lois from the start is like, this is serious. This is a character drama. These are people who are going to evolve and you're going to grow with them. And they were like, until we want to do a murder camper.
1: Except, you know, like they
0: did the murder camper and it ends.
1: Except, and I'm going to disagree with you here. What makes Legends of Tomorrow work is the same thing that makes the Marvel movie work or Marvel movies work and the Marvel TV shows work, which is it is a show that uses superhero characters to tell a other than superhero story.
0: Well, it is consistent, I suppose, is a good way to put it. It is consistently plot in the way that Marvel is consistency, consistently character. And bringing it back to previous discussions, this is why I'm perfectly fine with Jupiter's legacy, even though it's all plot, no breaks, in yes. the way that Superman and Lois has become, because it never promised to be anything different. When, when, you, when you make a story promise, you have to fulfill with it. Chekhov's gun is the most important principle in story. It can be a story about anything, but that gun is the promise that the writer makes to the reader. And if you don't pay it off, even if the reader doesn't know why or can't articulate why, you have you have committed a sin they will sense. So
1: here's, and bringing it back to super, this week's Superman and Lois, here is what I figured out this week watching this week's episode. This is the thing that they have done, and this is why I've been beating this drum the last five minutes. This show started off being a superman show that was not a superhero show and it has ceased being that and the problem is is that they have a writer's room full of people who knew how to write that story and don't know how to take a superhero story seriously
0: correct and or you know you could you could also do a superhero story in this universe easily you just have to make sure everything goes from A to B to C. That is sure, the but biggest yeah, thing that, that this show is doing poorly.
1: That That's what I'm saying, though, is the second it switched, the, sec- the second they got marching orders to focus in mm-hmm. on the the larger plot of the season, which is a explicitly comic book superhero story and not the quiet family drama stuff that we were getting at the beginning... The second that happened, they stopped knowing how to do it. They're like they it, yes. they're being asked to play a sport that they did not sign up for. It's like you showed up on the first day of football tryouts and you made the team. And then the next day they handed you lacrosse sticks.
0: Well, and it's because the superhero plot that they are going with has absolutely nothing to do with any of the character arcs that they've presented. And, um, and like Morgan Edge ending up a physical villain makes no sense. Yeah. Superman going from going from subtle problem solver to fist villain or, or fist hero is it it doesn't make sense. There's but- no there's no catalyst.
1: Alright, shall we do spoilers? Sure. Okay, so I'm gonna start off very briefly talking about the things that I hated in this episode, and then I'm gonna spend the rest of it gushing. So once I discovered that this was the problem and that they were just telling a superhero story i deliberately turned my brain off and just decided to watch it as a superhero story so i this week chose to just roll with this looks cool this Mm -hmm. is scored beautifully it's shot beautifully and this iteration of superman is awesome and it doesn't matter to me that the plot is incoherent. I don't remember most of the plots of most of the comic books I read as a kid. I just remember how cool it all looked, and that I liked collecting them, right? So that, that was, once I made that decision, it was easier to just kind of kick back and popcorn watch it. But the thing that really, really, really bugged me, the, the nitpick that hit me, and I messaged you right after it happened, I was like three minutes into the episode, and I was like, this is this is dumb. Like dumb dumb. Does it get better? Was there's a throwaway line at the beginning after uh Lois and uh what's her name? The lady who owns the paper.
0: Um Beppo, Beppo. Chrissy Beppo.
1: Yeah. Are talking about how they really need to start investigating what Edge is doing, which I thought they had been doing. The last seven episodes but i guess not and we get their little homeland board um there's this throwaway line where it's like all right well now that clark has quit being a football coach he can help us he's a great reporter and i sat there stunned because i am not the world's greatest parent i make no assumptions that i'm the world's greatest parent i make mistakes like any parent does But when my kid quit playing soccer and I was the assistant coach for her soccer team, you know what I didn't do?
0: (laughs) Go back to work. I didn't
1: (laughs) quit being the assistant coach for her soccer team because there were like 15 other kids that were depending on me to be there that I'd spent the season working with and developing. Yeah, that makes sense. Right? Like you make a responsibility as an adult. You live up to that responsibility to the best of your abilities, even if your kid isn't involved anymore. And the idea that Superman, this moral paragon, would just be like, well, the ruse with Jordan is over. So I'm quitting and leaving all these kids in the lurch is a choice that he would make is insanity to me.
0: The problem that you have, Julian, is that you did not become an assistant coach for the convenience of a plot that you wanted to forward.
1: I did tell you that the football thing was going to turn out to be dumb. <laughs> I warned you about that in episode Oh, one. yeah.
0: That's part of the reason why I've been so at length with my disgust is because I've been duped, and I actually take that very seriously as a writer myself. I feel personally resentful that they made a story promise to me and didn't follow through on it. I find that that... Like, um, it's, it's, I, I can't really explain how upsetting it is to, like, with, with Smallville, it was always what it was, you know, they, they, well, no, it wasn't, Smallville did the same pump fake, but in this case, they came out stronger than Smallville did, they came out with a very good, opening series of episodes and they made a bunch of character promises that that if you sacrifice them along the way okay that is a thing that happens in story but to just kind of to yeet it you know Superman and Lois has been character yeeted it wasn't just that they discarded characters it's that they whipped it over their shoulder in a way that showed such disdain that it was like, it was like, uh, they didn't even, the, the man came out from behind the curtain and didn't even say sorry to, to Dorothy. He was like, yeah, I'm an old man. So what lady? You know, Neil, Neil that's Bailey, what it was.
1: Neil Bailey, you sound like you're about to storm into the writer's room for Superman and Lois and cause a scene.
0: Oh no, Julian. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. You know why? Cause I'm not allowed in any writing rooms.
1: <laughs> Be more specific. You're going to storm into the writer's room and... And I'm going to meet him in the ring, brother. You're going to cause it. You're going to cause a scene, just like Lois <laughs> said she was
0: going to do. Uh, oh yeah, no. And then I'm going to need therapy, right? Oh wait, we forgot that part of the yeah, plot. We yeah. forgot that when Lois gets angry, she needs therapy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so sure. so yeah, so like nothing else in this episode except for one beat with Sam Lane was as egregious to me as that football decision. If it hadn't been for that football decision, I probably on, Because I, I grade it, like you did, you explained once in one of your Smallville reviews that you grade a thing on the curve of what it is, not what you think it ought to be. So once you yes. recognize the reality of what a thing is, and you're not expecting, you weren't expecting Smallville to be uh, Citizen Kane, right? You, you realize that right. it was never going to reach above a certain level your grading curve for it became fair. You graded its failures against its successes, right? And so with this episode, once I got past those, if those two moments hadn't been in it, and I'll touch on the second moment in a second, I probably would have given this a three out of five because what this show is now is a very well shot, very uh, comics accurate portrayal of Superman as a off the page representation that much like a huge chunk of the comics turned out in the seventies that people still bought in droves and loved dearly have utterly nonsensical plots that nobody can possibly understand solely to move the characters around like chess pieces. And I'm thinking of stuff like, You know, moving Lois Lane to be a TV reporter and wearing pants aggressively um, instead of being, you know, the the newspaper reporter and not having the political axe to grind because that was the time. Right. Um, Now that I know that that's what it is, I can look at it and go, yeah, given what it is, that's a three out of five for me. If it hadn't
0: been if it had I don't know what it is anymore.
1: If it, I do, I do. It's a superhero show that doesn't care about, uh, it cares about the plot, it cares about getting the page turned, it cares about getting to the end of the issue, and making you want to go into the store a month from that Wednesday and buy the next issue because you need to know what happens next, even if what happens next is a cheat. Well, here's, here's
0: an important question. Um, Given that the show started out claiming to be one thing and now is the complete opposite of that, how can you trust that it will not completely 180 again?
1: Because you were fooled and I wasn't because I told you the worries that I had right out of the gate (laughs) at the very, very beginning and the fact that I was right is both comforting because it reestablishes my intellectual supremacy in our friendship. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but it also curse you
0: for being right, Finn. We'll but, settle this in the ring, brother. But,
1: but here's the thing is I knew what it was going to turn into because it's a CW show. Right. At the end of the day, it's still a CW show. And all of the CW shows are on a curve of oh, Batwoman to midseasons Arrow, where Batwoman is Julian. the worst and Mid-Season's Arrow is the best.
0: But I want to put faith in people and I want to believe in things, Julian. But it's not Netflix.
1: It's not HBO. It's not a Prime original. There is massive corporate pressure. There is commercial sponsorship. Like, it's a different beast and it is the rare show that i mean look at look at breaking bad breaking bad is quite possibly the single greatest piece of tv i know there are people that say that uh, the wire is the most perfect tv show ever and it kind of occupied the same time period oh. as breaking bad
0: better call Saul is the greatest tv show that ever was sure i'll i can stipulate to that i'll night like, fight for that
1: but i but i bring up breaking bad because before there was better call Saul there was breaking bad and amc yes. couldn't justify its continued existence it had to finish out what it was on netflix
0: yeah oh breaking bad yeah i think breaking bad finished on oh netflix, it did it finished in, in other yeah yeah yeah, I think in other countries it, it ended on Netflix, though. Like, it was... Because dr- I remember using a, a... I remember that my friend Beal Naley told me that he used a VPN to get access to the last couple episodes of Breaking Bad early on uh, on a VPN yeah. uh, because he was just so obsessively watching the last few of them. But, that being the Naley guy, you know.
1: Yeah, but it, but it wasn't sustainable, right? Like, what Lost did for its latter three seasons... Almost mm-hmm. melted the TV industry, where they walked into the producers and said, "Look, we've got the en- the rest of the series arced out. Yeah. It's done. We don't want to do twenty two episodes seasons. We want to do sixteen episode seasons with no mid season break and no filler
0: episodes." And that but almost I... caused Hollywood to melt. Here's the existential dilemma that I'm struggling with here. Like, there are a lot of people that I've known in my life that as they get older, they lose a little bit of integrity. They forget who they were. They forget their principles. When I went to college, there were 100 kids who were friends of mine, and they all wanted to be writers, and then, you know, none of them are. I'm the last one left standing, right? Yeah. And and you look at things like shows, and you look at things like artistic endeavors, and you wonder, like, they, they start out with this promise of the premise, and they have such potential. And it's not like this show was suddenly failing and losing in the ratings because of the way it started. Like, everyone loved what it was doing. And now people still love what it's doing, but they're doing it in that uncritical turn off your brain kind of way. They're not doing it because it's the critical darling it started out as. And people like me who are, who are perhaps overly critical, to put it mildly, because that's kind of my job, but people like me could have been along for the ride. And people who just turned their brain off could have been along for the ride. And it could have redefined Superman for a generation. And now we're left with, you know, Morgan Man Savage or Morgan Mania, you know, like Morgan Hulk, (laughs) you know, like like that's where we are. How does this happen?
1: So it happens because they got permission to make art for the beginning of the story because that's what was going to create buzz. And then they had to churn out a product because it's network TV. And network TV flat out is not ever going to be as good, as compelling, like with rare exceptions every once in a while, as what a studio can do when they're freed of the constraints of we have to sell Cheerios this week.
0: I'm going to stomp my feet and say that it's unfair and hold my breath for a little while because I'm really upset about it. Fair. But, That's, you know, like, I don't get mad about the plot stuff, you know? Like, I I, I, I play the part of the buffoonish fool when I'm writing that rev- review. And, and and I stomp my feet and, 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 and kick about that a little bit in a, in a theatrical way. But I am genuinely disappointed at um, what this could have been and is no longer. And yeah. I feel cheated.
1: No, that's fair. And the only reason I don't feel cheated was I've watched every episode of every other CW show. And (laughs) no, but like, so, so here's the thing is every single one of them, including this one at its worst is as good or better than Smallville at its best was. And, and so I look at that and I go, it's cool that I get this, except for what they did with Sam Lane this week. So I want to talk about my other pet peeve. And then, yeah, yeah, I, go ahead. and then I'm going to talk about what I loved, and you're going to tell me why I'm wrong to have loved it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No,
0: I think you should love it. I think anyone who's loving it should continue having a good time. No, but, but go I'm, not, on with your I'm
1: not loving it because it's good. I'm loving it despite the fact that it's bad. And that's an important And that's fine. Because it's, it's still super entertaining.
0: Um, I am so for that. Yeah. I am absolutely so for that. I, I I don't know where people get the impression I'm not, but I am I'm so for everybody having a good time if they can. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but I and I know you are, and that's and that's one of the reasons yeah. why we're friends, right? I recognize the generosity of spirit in what you do. Um the, but the second beat that does not receive any generosity of spirit from me is <laughs> so this entire this, this entire subplot of this episode, and I don't even know if it's a subplot. I couldn't identify what the main plot was versus the subplots because this one, like, they all seemed like subplots. Like, there didn't seem like there was a main story other than that which has been told over the course of the season. Um, the but the pr- the primary to me subplot was the Jordan gets contact poisoned by uh, the kryptonite, the artificial or, or synthetic kryptonite gas that Superman inhaled is also week. a
0: virus, right?
1: <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because like it's transmittable somehow after the fact, which whatever, like, you know, we don't know what the level, his level of kryptonite sensitivity is. Um, oh, and I caught a glaring hole in your review that we're going to talk about in a second. Um, okay. but, um, um, so he, he's he's inhaled this gas or he's gotten the contact high from this gas from last week, and I was happy to see a consequence from a thing that happened in a
0: previous episode like actually turn <laughs> up. Like that that was was Yeah, they even brought up the Natalie thing again, except for they didn't name Natalie. They just went like Oh, Lois, you're still a little neurotic about this boy, huh? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah.
1: they're they're not doing the unforgivable sins. They're they're doing like venal sins. Um but uh so so we we have this moment where lois gives her dad another you can't be in our lives rant because you've been building weapons to kill my husband which is totally valid um yeah the same beat
0: that they hit before
1: yeah and yeah that's fair that's fair but if it works you do it again um like we keep seeing superman in a cape i don't have a problem with that um
0: Oh, those are fundamentally different. But get he, to your he, beef, your he, beef.
1: He flies and wears tights. Um, yes. But he, Sam Lane, after that speech, goes and sits in his car, all hangdog, and just hangs out <laughs> on the property for no reason, even though he's been told to leave. Basically fondling the synthetic kryptonite grenade that he has on him for no discernible reason and is the worst possible choice you could make in this context when you realize that the thing that your grandson is suffering from, you have an extra one in your pocket just because. And sits there and waits for his moment to deploy it on a farm when... That his grandson lives in where we've just learned that he got sick from a second-hand contact high from it.
0: Like, yeah. I don't... and I think, you know, they they kind of... I think one of the purposes of that scene, which was not established well, when he gets on the phone with this dude, is like, You got the new model? I think what they were trying to say was that this wouldn't infect Superman and Jordan. But, like, why would they, like, why would he be like, yeah, let's get a cure for the synthetic cray and let's also make a version that'll work, but doesn't kill him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it's kryptonite! Yeah. It's, Carry on, though. No, no, but... Uh, was but, that it? Or? No, no, but Superman 3, we get the
1: synthetic kryptonite right. that doesn't kill him. It splits him into two Yeah, people. with tar. Yeah, <laughs> it's got, yeah, yeah. It's got a little
0: tar in it. No, but, like, yeah. this, this, well, is, this is a thing. Blue though. kryptonite, essentially
1: um this is okay so so here's here's what i liked and you can respond to it and i'm gonna caveat all of these by saying none of these things are good in the context of the overarching story or character none of them Uh, i recognize that but i enjoyed the hell out of them anyway okay so i enjoyed the fact that we now know what they meant by the resurrection that they were trying to facilitate with the XK. Like that is a thing that actually makes sense. Now they are, uh, taking people that have been dosed with, uh, XK and given powers as a result, uh, and implanting them with the consciousnesses of
0: dead Kryptonians, right? Like that, that Pandorians, yet to determine but some kind of some sinister kryptonian i think
1: it i think it's going to be kryptonians and not kandorians only because i'm pretty sure that that is exactly the same thing that happened in john henry iron's universe
0: Uh, um
1: right like i think there that's the tether between those two stories is that it is the same thing that occurred so his apprehension is not wrong it just well, hasn't... let's
0: face it. There's a fifty-fifty shot they'll just never tell us.
1: There's a fifty-fifty. But they seem, unlike the Lost writers, they seem to want to give us answers. And when they, the thing is, when they are giving us answers, the answers are satisfying. Like they're not earned. Don't get me yes. wrong. But the answers from a comic book story beat perspective are satisfying. I look at that thing and I go, oh, that's cool. They actually did something incredibly clever in this episode that I think should have raised your review rating to at least a two out
0: of five. The Smallville thing? The Smallville the, the, thing, the, the, yeah. Yeah, I friggin- that was good. Yeah, I, friggin- I, I noticed it, but like... like- when the ratio of bad to good is 50 to one, you know, like it's, you're going to have to get a little higher no, to raise it to a No, but too.
1: Neil, this is, this is a genre of storytelling where the most common answer to why this particular mm. person or why this particular group of people um, is almost always because don't think about it too yeah. hard. And they gave sure. a legit, they went like, so this group of people when infused with XK it's unstable and they die. This group of people <laughs> from Smallville who have been sitting on this and getting slow exposed to it their entire lives do not die. They they it's it's stabilized in them. That's clever.
0: It's not earned by the plot, but it's clever. Sure. But right? I mean you could take like the worst like there were like three clever things in rise of Skywalker too. You know, that doesn't make it a two of five. (laughs) No, but, but here that, that trope, the
1: such and such is special. Just because trope is so common in this genre. Like the question, why me is almost never answered. Right. One of the, one of the things I hated about Superman earth one as a comic book was it like I I am all for tell me a gritty this is what superman would look like if he happened in our reality today story all day long. I am here for that. I'm fine with that. That was not my beef with that book. My beef with that book was they did they turned superman's character motivator his his core essence of being into spider-man's shtick it was the why me why was i picked why do i have to endure this phenomenal cosmic power in itty bitty living space yes
0: the the marvel brand of hero motivation i do this because i have to as opposed to i do this because i choose to
1: exactly and here the writers took that trope because they didn't have to address it you and i would not have crapped on them at any point down the road for never addressing why smallville was that important to morgan edge and why he was recruiting from smallville specifically we would have just gone "Eh, well superman's in smallville this is where the plot has to be and we would have moved on because we've gotten so used to accepting that in this kind of storytelling that the fact that they went out of their way to give us a cogent answer to that question that makes some kind of logical sense i was almost in tears i was so grateful
0: uh, well, it, it undermines the edge thing a little bit because they made, they went to great pains to be like, I've got to get this XK out of Smallville a couple of episodes ago. And then you had Superman no, in you know what? Mesa and
1: I, I was listening to our podcast discussion of that, um, while I was out on a run the other night post accident seeing if i had a broken hip um and (laughs) that's what you
0: get for disagreeing
1: with me next time in the ring i won't be so gentle finn and and you (laughs) missed the point of that scene there was one in this week's review as well um but you missed the point of that scene entirely he wasn't hit me with it he wasn't sending it out because he needed to get it out of smallville or out of state they they actually articulate what the plot is. They keep getting interfered with. They don't know who John Henry Irons is. They don't know why this person is out there messing with them. And they've got Superman's attention on them, and they know that. But they've got all these unknowns about who's interfering with their plans beyond Superman. And Leslie Larr and Edge have a conversation where Edge says to her... What we're going to do is we're going to put some of this stuff on a truck and send it out of town and see who stops it. Right. That's the whole reason. It's not desperation to get it out of Smallville. That's not the ploy. The ploy is they know that there is somebody out there that is trying to stop them from getting it out of the ground. And they want to do a really obvious honeypot and send a truck that's basically screaming, I am full of XK." out into the wild and see who shows up to stop it so they can identify their villain that's not uh, the same motivation and they articulate it that
0: kind of makes it worse and weird though that kind of makes it worse and weird because then they know that it's clark and lois and they do nothing to clark and lois and they also know that it's john henry and john henry and and morgan edge never even cross sabers but
1: <laughs> by knowing it's clark and lois he already knew lois was trying to mess with them Right? Like, that's yeah, not sure. a revelation. So, like,
0: like what's what's Edge's motivation? It's that game show that I keep bringing up. Leslie, what's Edge's motivation? What's Leslie, he trying to do here? Because
1: Leslie Lar encounters Irons, and mm-hmm. she sees his tech, and she sees what he's doing, and they don't know who he is, how he has that stuff, what he's doing, who he works for, what his motivations are. So to me, that makes sense. It's not a great plan. It's still snidely whiplashy. <laughs> well, yes.
0: Well, it's, it's stupid too. Like it's yeah. dumb for the plot because there's no reason that then Leslie Lar isn't in the mesosphere <clears throat> and uses her eye lasers to just be like, one two three, boom! Murder van explodes. Boom! Truck explodes, and Clark and Lois are dead. for <laughs> Sure, you know, as yeah, far yeah. as she is aware, yeah, as yeah. far as they're... Edge is aware, because they don't know that Clark is super And they're, there's and no they're out... reason they wouldn't murder them both. Yeah, they're out in the middle of nowhere. Murderers. Yeah, yeah, they're out. Yeah,
1: you're right. That that part is weak, but it it wasn't the thing that you thought it was. Is my point. And there was one of this those is true there was one of those this week too. so in your review you talk about how it's completely arbitrary um, which possessed or brainwashed people that get exposed to uh, XK uh, act as kryptonians and which ones don't. And, I don't know if
0: I said it that way. Like, well, uh, I thought I, I need I, more specificity. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but you raised uh-huh.
1: Tag, for example, right? You you you're you yes. you're talking about how they were. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like
0: Tag, Tag, you know, seems to have free will, and uh, Emily doesn't seem to have free will, and Kyle doesn't seem to have free will, and then uh, right, but what's Tag, his butt? the guy the who Tag, burned the barn, seems Tag to have Tag never
1: will. got implanted. So there's there's two pieces here. They're not getting their powers from the uh implanted Kryptonian consciousness, they're getting their powers from exposure to XK. And Tag got his powers from Jordan accidentally heat visioning some XK and him getting hit with it.
0: Full stop. He wasn't right. a grab- and the and Barn Guy, Barn Guy was working for Edge in the mines, right? Right. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, then that does make sense and that was an error. Right? So like there's
1: there is consistency happening there. Um yeah. and I and I actually l- kind of am okay with the kryptonian consciousness subplot um especially it only works given the reveal of who edge actually is at the ending which is probably <laughs> which is probably zod or macho man randy savage but almost certainly zod if we've got any nerd, if we if we've got any nerds out there who can identify kryptonian sigils
0: if you could tell us what was on his chest i'm pretty sure it's you gonna, know- See, that's the th- that's the ultimate consequence of all of these these lackluster stories. It's like I normally would have googled that and tried to figure that out and care. And it's like if they're not going to care, why will I care? Why right. why, why would I try? But
1: know? it it's, it seems to be pretty clearly a. Um, so okay. I think what's happening, and I went back and rewatched a couple of the other episodes to see if I could confirm this or not, see if there were any hints now that we knew kind of where they went with the plot, and there sort of is, but I think what's happening is they're basically like the Venom symbiote, right? They hang out in the background of the consciousness, and they take over when they
0: need to, which is yeah, when, why... Yeah, Edge activates them as the general, yes.
1: Right, exactly. <clears throat> and so that whole beat only makes sense if Zod is or if Edge is a Kryptonian, if he is one of them and has been the whole time
0: because being possessed by Zod. So then he can still be part of the main cast next season after Zod is defeated.
1: Exactly. Right. Um, Yes. And, and the reason it only makes sense if that's the case is because there's no way that Morgan Edge on his own with human earth technology cooks up this plot to infuse human bodies with kryptonian consciousness and develops (laughs) apparently all you need is an
0: led and an mri machine though
1: no no but the mri (laughs) machine is the thing that actually does the consciousness bit it's not the thing that's doing the xk bit
0: yeah it makes more sense that he is kryptonian and has been kryptonian all along yeah that makes it makes a jive more and that is actually decent there's nothing wrong there
1: right like there there are Beats in this that are incredibly satisfying, and they're oh another one, holy crap, the bank scene. So there's some weirdness uh. in the bank scene like that where where Clark flies to Mexico and you laid them out pretty well in your <laughs> review this week. people you should read it and actually engage with it. like, okay, so here's my plea to people who are reading Neil's reviews. If you hate Neil's review, comment. But if you love Neil's review, comment. And if you love part of Neil's review, but disagree with him on other stuff, comment. We used to once upon a time do this thing online (laughs) where we would digest a piece of media and then have a conversation. Uh, conversation, sorry, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing the Tucker Max describing the metric system bit where he, uh, he pronounced kilometer as kilometer, um, on live TV. <laughs> that is not a thing I'm making up, uh, with a perplexed look on his face. Um, we, we used to, you know, Neil would put out his review and there were people that loved it and giggled over it every week and would jump in and comment and go, that was really funny, but Hey, Neil, you missed this. Um, And people who hated it, but would jump in and be like, well, I really liked that episode and here's why. And we're getting not that anymore. So if you're reading the reviews and listening to us, my plea to you is whether you liked it or hated it or were in the middle of the road, have the conversation, not just about the review, but use the review as the place to have a conversation about the episode and maybe where you differ from Neil uh but where you agree or you, you know what i mean like let's get back to having yeah, well, some real
0: conversations with each other that would be nice it's not requisite and you know like if you don't want to read the review you, you obviously don't have to i think the thing the only thing that bugs me i think thinking about it's like there's just a ton of people who are like this was long so i didn't read it and therefore, it's terrible. I mean, that's just so. Neil, have cheap. you
1: have you considered doing a tldr at the beginning of your reviews? Because that's what that's you know, what we do
0: now. It, it's funny because for many many years, yes, I did do something that I actually explicitly called the super, super short, short review. review. Yes, and nobody read it and nobody cared. And it was like, like I put, I did an entire video at the start of Superman and Lois that were the super short review for that very purpose. No one looked at it like, you know, 14,000 people read one of the reviews and of those people, 300 watched the video. Right. You know, like people, people, uh, if they want short and pithy, they're going to go IGN. (laughs) Um, But, you know, and the other thing is like there have been other things like I did an entire review in another like as a pseudonym that was entirely positive for it for about a half a year. On Smallville to kind of try and prove a point and goof around and have fun. And everybody hated that positive review. Everybody that was like, he's too negative, I hate it. They loved to rage read and hate it. You know? <laughs> uh, and then you do the positive thing and they're like, this stinks, I'm not paying any attention to this. Uh, and then, you know, like we brought in an actual person who was positive and had them do a review with me. And, you know, like it was <laughs> like the, the people don't let up. I, I think what it is, is. People don't like to be disagreed with, but they love reading how other people disagree with them. And they don't know how to critically respond. They do this thing where they're like, I don't like that this person doesn't like something. And they go like, I am going to criticize this person for not liking something because I don't like something. And they don't, you know, like there's just no thought. It's They, they shut yeah. their brain off in the way that they're doing when they watch the show. And they don't go, actually, that's internally inconsistent. <laughs> okay, so- but there
1: was one, there was one piece of the episode that you didn't spend enough time tearing apart in the, uh, in the review is Sarah's, Sarah's reaction to Jordan not showing up to be her, oh, yeah. her piano player. Um, the Lana
0: moment. Yeah. The,
1: the Lana moment. And it was weird because I, even in the bad episodes, I generally like Sarah, but she literally witnessed this guy like COVID sneeze all over his hand and then yes. like go deathly white and stumble out of the gym that's the universal symbol for oh i'm not feeling good right like yes. at that point you go to the band club and you find someone yeah. who knows how to play an instrument and read sheet music and you go hey can you back <laughs> me up even if it's
0: the tuba player or you know this is this is a really strange but f- true fun fact people can play the piano and sing at the same time. Right, but she might... Um, people can play the guitar and sing at the same time. But
1: she might not have that particular skill set. Yes, playing the piano and singing at the that's same true. time is challenging because you're playing music in two separate <laughs> claps simultaneously. Oh, oh, believe me, I've
0: been doing it for 15 yeah. years and I can't do it worth worth, worth anything. But um, yeah, that's... that's. So Sarah is still my favorite character and my identity point for the series. So yeah, it is It is worthy of more note. But, but yeah, the bank she, it, scene... It, it's
1: terrible. But the bank scene, I loved and 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 this this goes back to my caveat at the beginning so there's no reason for the bank scene to happen in fact it was really off-putting when he flies away and you see him like land in uh Mexico in that bank
0: yes because it's utterly incoherent <laughs> it's it's
1: utterly incoherent and it's um it's discordant because we don't often see like the the thought that popped into my brain was at that moment in time there were probably Mm. 17 bank robberies uh hold on sorry you're gonna have to cut this out something is happening upstairs okay it's fine um there are probably 17 bank robberies happening in the united states at that exact moment Um, five of them are probably within about a 30 second flight of Kansas and you never Mm -hmm. see him just fly off to take care of any of those. So weirdly, like the the thought that popped in my head was why this bank, um, which whatever, they don't really explain it. But man, that's or well, why scene... not one line of dialogue
0: like yeah that cartel thing that I've been looking into I hear some action happening with it
1: right yeah no Boom. exactly uh, exactly like just something to to not have it be so jarring and discordant like where it doesn't belong but everything about that scene once it starts to me is glorious like we've never yeah, seen kind of a staggered response to Kryptonite before the the palpable heartbeat was weird i was like there's something wrong um the way they showed him doing like pulled punch contact throws with all of the people so that he could disable them rather than actually injure them i'd never seen that like that was glorious and to me like i am willing the the show's not doing great ratings wise the like the two month gap no the two month gap where like they went away to bring back supergirl killed half its audience they just didn't come back and so i don't know um, if we're gonna get i know it's already been renewed for a second season but i don't know if we're gonna get much past that if the if the ratings don't or not the ratings but the if the viewership doesn't come back up um but I like for stuff like that I will tune in every single week even if the plot is incoherent because it's showing me stuff with this character that I haven't even seen in the comic books that makes logical sense like the the great paradox of this show is it's doing Batman begins level stuff to ground superman's powers in logical reality and efficient use and restraint of power and all that stuff in ways that we really haven't seen in any other live action or animated versions of this character and that's worth the price of crap plot to me like i i most of the
0: time they do a pretty good job there are sometimes when it's just like like they're really lax about how fast he responds to the sonic alarm. Um, there's things about um, you know when he like he is usually very cognizant and aware of the use of his powers and then you have things like the uh, Killgrave episode where he's just dumb as a post um and doesn't think to use his ears and doesn't hear somebody sneaking up right behind him you know
1: sure but every iteration has done that like i look at superman returns which i mean we have disagreements about but i still think superman returns is a much higher quality superman movie than say man of steel was um like and even in that that had some I mean, outside of the fact that they didn't understand Kryptonite at all and allowed him to lift a mountain made out of it and chuck it into space. <laughs> um, it 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 did some interesting things with the way he used his powers, but in a very limited, quick way. Like, it wasn't an emphasis. And here you can really tell that a pile of thought has gone into what is the practicality of his power set in day-to-day uh crime intervention and rescues and high-level combat and like they've they've really done the work on figuring out how to actualize that stuff and make it new when he's presented with a situation that we haven't seen before and i really appreciate that like Hecklin's portrayal of the character is something I've never seen before where like I can legitimately sometimes when he's Superman forget that he's Clark, not because he does the Christopher Reeve thing of blending into um, into that character. So seamlessly, like with the body language and the change in musculature in his face and the tone of voice and all, he doesn't do that. But he plays the two roles Mm. so distinctly and so fully occupies each one. Like the character that is the, the center of the Venn diagram between Superman and Clark Kent is so obviously apparent all the time that even when he's being dumb and his actions aren't are just following the service of the plot rather than who they've shown his character to be. I still find myself just enjoying watching the man as Superman constantly in a way that like Melissa Benoist as to Supergirl has never hit me that hard.
0: Most of the um, action beats seem to fall into the realm of the what's good, you know, the cinematography, the music and the acting Side of things, it seems like there is, it seems like the, the fights themselves are kind of treated separately from the script. And I don't know if it's gonna, if it's like a Shakespearean they fight in the script, um, because I haven't seen the scripts, uh, other than the first script. But, um, I kind of get the impression that most of the fights, um, are, are, they stand on the strength of their execution, even the John Henry fight as much as it was incoherent was compelling visually because of the fact that, you know, Superman getting hit by a hammer, even if it's like, this does not make sense as a thing that John Henry would want to use to kill Superman. It was cool to look at. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I am going to go and look, um, but I suspect that the team that's doing the action scenes for this show is the same team that did the uh fight and action scenes for Arrow because those were always exceptionally good and the best parts of that series.
0: Hmm. I think I recall them very um fondly, like, yeah, the, the, like I, I can't think of anything like that was weird. Uh, I'm always like they they always treat arrows strangely or like like bow and arrows strangely, having fired an arrow and having um you know, been an arrow, bow and arrow guy. Like the way they just like even Hawkeye, they're just like yep, pulling back this bro string, dying whoop dying, whoop dying And it's like no no, but um, but the visually they executed it very well, as I recall. But it's yeah. been, you know, what, 10 years? But I'd be like
1: willing that. to bet that it's the same team, or at least people that are tangentially related to that team, because the thought that's going into the action in this show, even when the action betrays the characters, like that scene where he's going to punch John Henry Irons, who's disarmed in the face and murder him, or heat vision him, Um, oh i'd forgotten about that (laughs) but but the thought the thought that goes into those pieces which they're not the main point of comic book storytelling but given that comic book storytelling starts as fantasy fulfillment for nerdy kids who got picked on right is an important part of the appeal of these stories is the virtuous strong man that would never swirly you in school who will instead stand up for you by beating the pants off of the kid who's doing it. Um, That's always been an important beat and an important draw of these stories. They handle those so well that it makes me inclined to forgive the stuff that they're not doing, which is they don't know how to tell a coherent <laughs> comic
0: book story. The other 90% of the time we spend watching the show. But
1: it's Yeah, <laughs> fair, fair. That, that's where we're at. Okay, so do you have anything you want to add, or should we bring in the boys?
0: Uh, we should probably bring in the boys. You want to start with Ben or yeah, with Yeah, uh, I'll bring Michael. Ben down because I know he's chomping at the bit. Hello, Ben. How you doing? Good. Good, eh? Yeah. I see you are not wearing your glasses. You you surprised me. I thought you were a different person. <laughs> I'm never gonna get tired of this bit. <laughs> no. So what did you think of the last Superman and Lois?
2: It was fun, exciting. A whole yeah. bunch of words that describe exciting.
0: <laughs> I have to get you a a a a a thesaurus. We'll have to do that. But a super thesaurus. What what did you think of that ending?
2: Uh, it was awesome.
0: Yeah? Yeah. Are he- you so who who do you think that Edge is? Do You think it's Edge or do you think it's someone else? Zod. You think it's Zod?
2: A hundred percent Zod.
0: A hundred percent Zod. Do you think it's the trench coat or it's that uh that they're all Kryptonians and that it's just Zod's kind of thing? What makes you think that? Both. He doesn't have the goatee. Hmm.
2: Not I think every he's gonna grow a beard. No, not every version needs a goatee. <laughs>
0: That is absolutely true. I'm just kidding around. So, what what about the rest of the episode?
2: Uh, my I didn't really enjoy most of the episode except for like the blot stuff and the bank fight scene. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. What, what was it? Just that it was slow, or what? What, what did you? Uh, what did you not like?
2: It was a little bit too slow, and I was confused because I didn't watch the last episode because I never mm-hmm. watched the episode before at my dad's house because. That
0: happens. Life happens. What did you think about uh, the big old action scene in Mexico?
2: That was my favorite scene in the entire episode.
0: I really liked the way they executed that. Like some of the stuff before it, I was like, why is he doing this? But once he got there, all the fighting and the shooting and the way that he handled things, it was very Superman, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, I'm still waiting for John to get powers.
0: Yeah, you yeah. think it's gonna happen? Yes. I, you, you know, it it would be a a heck of a surprise, especially considering he didn't get infected with that virus stuff. So you know, like maybe it's uh maybe it's that uh, Jordan has the X K going on, giving him powers, and that Jonathan is just Kryptonian and will come of age. Who knows? Yes. We shall see. I'm hoping that because I know that you would enjoy it. I'm hoping that is exactly what happens. So.
2: Or maybe they go you know. with the two superboy route like they do with Connor and John in the comics if there's both of them
0: at the same time Connor sure and John yeah uh, that'd be good there's lots of opportunities there what about uh what about uh the 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 Sam Lane what do you think Sam Lane
2: uh he was he's starting to get a little jerkish
0: yeah a little bit huh is mm-hmm. he you know he saved the day though I don't know does that make him does that redeem him no no, still a jerk. Big old I, jerky jerk face.
2: Yeah, I've seen too many characters in the Flash try try and save the day, but it turns out they're just faking. Mm-hmm. So I can basically see these plot lines a mile away.
0: <laughs> well, well, I know the feeling, my friend. I know the feeling. Well, it, 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 do you have any uh, thoughts about what's coming next?
2: Um, I still hope that Jonathan get back. Past- Gets powers. That's my, like, big hope for the season. Do you think that's
0: happening next week, or do you think it's happening at the end of the season?
2: Maybe at the end of the season, maybe next week.
0: Cool. Well, I hope that it happens, especially because it would make you happy, my friend. All right, well, I'm going to hand you back to your father, and I'm going to get Milo down here, but you have a good day, okay? Okay. All right, take care.
3: Take
0: care. Milo, my
1: man!
3: Hey, Julian!
1: How's it going, buddy? Good. So, another week, another uh, big reveal on this show as far as what's happening. What did you think? Tell me your thoughts.
3: I thought it was kind of nice. I liked the part where they actually... Where Calo just learned that at this um morgan edge had superpowers
1: right and did you do you th- do you think that morgan edge so we, we learned this week that all of the xk infected people or most of them have been uh they've had the minds of kryptonians put inside their brains so we know that that's happened to morgan edge it kind of looks like they've turned him into general zod no
3: I think that that's what I said. I said he's basically as powerful as Zod to my dad when I was watching that. Episode. Yeah, I think
1: I think he's actually supposed to be Zod.
3: Yeah, me too. That's my theory.
1: Which would be very very cool. Okay, so what was your favorite part of this episode?
3: My favorite part of the episode was the part where he's he like, where Morgan Edge is like. Like, Randy Savage, and he says, oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that was pretty fun. What Was there anything you didn't like?
3: The only part I didn't like was the part where, where he abandoned and his friend Sarah.
1: Yeah, but he was sick, right? Like, if you're sick, you're yeah. sick. And he couldn't really play the piano if he was going to sneeze an ice ball right through it.
3: Yeah, and probably maybe destroy the whole content, so.
1: Probably. I really loved that um, that was how they chose to introduce the freeze breath power for him. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a very clever way of doing it. Yep. Yeah. By
3: it being kryptonite.
1: Yeah, no, it was neat. They gave him a cold and out of the cold he developed that power. It was really interesting. Um, did this episode give you any more theories that you might not have had before? Yep. What do you got?
3: I think, I think all those Superman two and Superman one movies come from this one show.
1: How so? Like, Explain when it to me. It ends, it's- oh you think this is in the same universe yeah why do you think that
3: because as i think that maybe something goes wrong wrong and everything turns pretty bad
1: fair oh so you think this is like a dark timeline version of that universe yep that could be interesting that could be really interesting. Do you think, since this takes place in the same universe that Supergirl is in, and now that we know there's other Kryptonians, do you think that we're finally going to see a crossover moment where we get Supergirl coming over to help?
3: Yep, or maybe that girl oh, that had wrecked up that car, maybe that car was actually a villain car, or and she was actually a... A Supergirl, but I highly doubt it.
1: (laughs) Me too. Okay, so anything you hope to see next week?
3: Mm, I hope to see a big fight between kal and Morgan Edge.
1: Me too. I mean, they kind of left it on a cliffhanger. Literally, they were flying beside a cliff. So hopefully we get some resolution to that. Yeah. All right, buddy, I'm going to grab your dad back from you. It is always a pleasure to chat, and we will talk to you again next week. Okay, bye. Bye.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 I'm back. I'm back, (laughs) Julian.
1: So your kid took closer to my tack on the episode, and it sounds like my kid took closer to
0: your tack on the episode. (laughs) Yeah, I was surprised. Like, usually Ben's very positive, and and Milo uh, Milo was like, oh, that's cool. But I think he liked the fight at the end. I really do. Yeah, right, I that, think uh, excited him and
1: Ben. Ben is a huge Super Sons fan, and I think he existentially resents the existence of Jordan. <laughs>
0: yeah, he's, he's like he's, I I you know I I meant what I was saying though. I I you didn't hear it, I'm sure, because the headphones were in, but. Um... You know, I honestly hope that they do give Jonathan powers, not even necessarily because it makes plot sense. And clearly they don't care what makes plot sense, (laughs) but just because it would make Ben happy, you know, like if that's something that can come out of this season, good.
1: Well, I think what's, I think what's going to happen now that we know what's going on with the Kryptonian consciousnesses um, is that the way they're going to figure out how to banish the Kryptonians remove them from the humans how they're going to defeat them isn't going to be like a punch fest it's going to be driven by the fact that jordan is going to get dosed by zod with the xk and the and the kryptonian consciousness because nothing makes zod happier than that kind of twisted like knife in the side and that would like emotionally completely unbalance clark um And they are going to figure out how to save Jonathan and thus save everybody else. But Jonathan will keep his powers because he's half Kryptonian.
0: I think it's going to be a lot simpler. I think they're going to have a whooshy vacuum device that vacuums souls out of people's bodies (laughs) and it's going to be a kryptonian hand wavy and what's going to happen is you're going to have superman actually turn to the dark side at the end of the episode before the finale, and then John Henry is going to return and he's going to hold the vacuum and he's going to save Superman's life and be like, Aha, this is the reason why you weren't actually awful well. And then they're going to become partners in the next season, he will be a supporting character.
1: Listen, as long as the scene where that happens has John Henry Irons snapping at Clark or at Sam Lane. Never cross streams, I'll be happy. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, You know, oh, man, Sam Lane can't die soon enough, and they're not going to kill him, I can tell, because they keep doing the Papa Soprano thing where it's like they do the same scene. It's like, yeah, no, you're banished from my house forever. Well, the convenient thing in the plot made you necessary, so I guess you're welcome back even though you tried to kill somebody. (laughs) A
1: pseudo-kryptonium tossed him, like, fully powered at a hard piece of wood this week. Yeah, he could... He could die from that. There may be internal <laughs> like, injuries.
0: They quite literally, in the scene before, the, oh yeah, brother! The, <laughs> they, they had somebody get thrown through a table. Yeah, I so, noted that. <laughs> so so here's, here's
1: my parting thought on the episode. And it's not mm-hmm. really about the episode. It's about where this story falls in the CW-verse. If they don't bring Kara and Barry at a minimum into this in the next couple of episodes without explaining that this isn't um that this somehow isn't on the same earth as the other version of superman that Tyler Hecklin played if they don't establish that this is an alternate earth version of these characters and they don't bring those two in they will have established for me that these people don't know what to do with the shared universe at all
0: i don't think they're gonna do it and the reason i don't think they're going to do it is i think they still believe that they're the show that they stated they would be i still think i get the feeling that they think they're being that character drama they stated they were and they still think that they're not now being like Flash or Supergirl or Arrow.
1: But narratively, it would be the biggest kick in the junk that they could possibly do, because Superman's introduction on Supergirl, I believe, it was either his introduction or his second episode, was literally an assist when Kara was dealing with Daxamites.
0: If there's one thing I've learned and had reiterated and kicked into me repeatedly— um, by all of these CW shows is that they don't care about the premises they promised. No,
1: but us. you know what? And they do. They really, really do. So, so, and here's why I think that you owe it to Well, yourself. okay,
0: let me caveat that in the ones that I've seen in Smallville and Superman and Lois, because that's not fair to the other shows that I have not seen.
1: Okay, so Smallville, aside from its inclusion in um, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, where they did a better job with that character than 10 seasons of that show in establishing mm. that he is Superman uh, <laughs> with no powers wearing a flannel. They did a better job in that two and a half minutes than 10 years of Smallville. And I watched every episode of Smallville good and bad and was grateful it was there, but I can acknowledge what it was. Um, Aside from his inclusion in that, Smallville is not part of the CW-verse. The CW-verse is very explicitly a set of TV shows that loves and embraces the fact that it is rooted in comic books. It didn't start out that way. The first season and a bit of Arrow started off basically being ashamed that they occupied the same space as Superman and everything else.
0: Yes, it was trying to be like Superman and Lois is and also to be like,
1: we're not Smallville! Exactly, exactly. And by the end of the second season, when they'd given us our backdoor pilot for The Flash and shown us a comic book-accurate origin of Barry Allen getting hit by uh, lightning through beakers of chemicals um, and getting his powers... uh, By the time they hit that point, they had fully embraced it and shifted course and decided that they were going to do this comic book thing because why not,
0: right? Well, yeah, I see it as one long continuity, though, because if you look at it, they keep doing the same trick. Smallville started out as a serious, serious thing, and then devolved and devolved and devolved. Arrow did the same thing. Superman and Lois did the same thing. And when I say CW, yeah, I know there's Arrowverse, and that's its own separate thing, and that circle is entirely in what I would consider the CW circle. Although, I believe Smallville started on UPN, didn't it? It started, Like, long it started, ago and far away?
1: It started, so I think they... I'd have to check, but I think the... First couple of seasons of Smallville were on what was still the WB because I think... That's what it was. Yeah, it was WB. I think Smallville started before season five of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I'd have to check. Yes. Um, And season five of Buffy the Vampire Slayer marked the end of the WB. The WB and I can't remember which network combined to become... uh, And UPN combined Mm. to become the CW.
0: Yes, I think I think that's exactly yeah. Because I mean I know that was the time you know we had uh, Enterprise going on and Voyager going on in Buffy and Angel all at the same time and all that noise. But yeah. yeah, like that that whole thing where they've just been kind of farming the same from the same well, I guess is what I'm talking about. Like that same like we're gonna we're gonna try and do this, and then when it kind of gets less convenient, they go back to the to the you know the serial methods of storytelling. Let's say charitably.
1: Fair, fair. Okay, so, before we go, you watched Season 4, Episode 12 of Legends
0: of Tomorrow. I did. The Eggplant, The Witch, and The Wardrobe. And share your thoughts. Completely out of context, almost none of it made sense, but I still had a good time. Right. It was like picking up a random issue of a comic book, and that's the thing that I've liked about Legends of Tomorrow, and I didn't take your advice, even though I probably should have been read the wiki beforehand, because I wanted to go in cold, and um, it seems like this was one of those not very special episodes, but like every now and again, an episode of Smallville would be like, we're going to take a second, uh, a, a second or three in the middle of one of the acts and actually have some character beats. And um, you didn't need to know what came before or what came after for it to make yeah. sense. Um, that's one of the things that the writing did to make it work really, really well. There were a lot of, you know, like, the, there were there was cringy humor, right? But also, like, I get, I can actually be like, yeah, you know, that's not in my demographic. That's fine. And I can look past it because it's not trying to be anything it's not. It's not purporting to be high drama and yep. character work. Um, so it was fun. I actually, you know, okay. I can't say I had, well, I don't know, because they're so different animals. I would, I, I, I want to say that I had a better time watching this episode than I did this last Superman and Lois, but I can't actually say that because I'm, su- I have such a soft part, spot for Superman and those three moments that were good were good, right? But in terms of like, um, which was prouder of itself, it's very clear that Legends of Tomorrow, um, just knows what it is. And that might be because it was the middle of the fourth season, but I get the feeling that Superman and Lois is suffering from that thing. We used to let shows suffer through back when we had patience as people where it's like their first season and they're finding their feet. Yeah. Um, but now because there are so so few spots for television shows and so te- so many television shows you being being made it's very hard to forgive that first season not having its feet when there's so much time to prepare and make a thing
1: if if you really so. want to understand Legends of Tomorrow and the mindset behind it you have to go back and not even season 1 although season 1 has its few moments but season 1 it was still trying to be a superhero show it didn't realize what it was yet that season one and season two, the leader of the legends is Rip Hunter, who is a Time Master, for those of you who have, uh, who have kept up with that corner of the comic books. And they got Rip Hunter, Time Master, to be played by uh, Arthur Darville, who played Rory on a couple of seasons of Doctor Who, <laughs> wearing yes. the outfit that David Tennant wore as the Doctor in his seasons of Doctor Who.
0: <laughs> That's cool. Well, that, so then maybe the next one should be season two, episode nine with Rip Hunter.
1: Yeah, like that. that is the genesis of this show. Like the tongue-in-cheek... Um. Like, it is it is explicitly a Doctor Who knockoff, an American Doctor Who knockoff, using DC Comics D-listers in a time-traveling adventure that is not remotely about their superpowers, even when they're facing comic book supervillains. Like, they legit fight the Injustice League at one point.
0: Uh, So a Suicide Squad where they're not embarrassed of who they are. (laughs)
1: Exactly, exactly. And and every inch of it from season two on is committed to just having as much fun as humanly possible with the concept of, well, we stuck a bunch of ostensible superheroes in a time machine. What are we going to do this week? Well, let's go have them meet a young Barack Obama in an episode where Gorilla Grodd is trying to murder him. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if that's on the list but i do th- you know i'm i'm liking the idea if you like the idea i i should have shouldn't have turned my head away from the mic but i like the idea if you like the idea of ki- continuing on with uh legends as the uh the next uh, the, uh, for for a little while as the cw thing you agree
1: yeah yeah absolutely um i think that we should do uh, well, do you have any episodes on the list that you still want to look at?
0: Yeah, I've still got Kate's list, which is, you know, it seems pretty good so far. We got, uh, Raiders of the Lost Art, we got Here I Go Again, uh, where Zari is stuck in a time loop, we got the Virgin Gary, where a unicorn attacks Woodstock, and oh, I'm tempted to make oh, that next.
1: The, no, 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 the time loop one, so, there's only one time loop episode I enjoy as much, and it's for completely different reasons, um, mm-hmm. It's not that it's better. It's on a completely different tonally type of show. And that's the time loop episode they did on Star Trek Discovery in, I think, season two. I want to say The mud two. one. The mud one. Yeah, Harry Mudd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Harry Mudd episode. Yeah. that Was that yeah. season two? Or was that season yeah, one? Yeah, I think it was... Well, no, that was season one. That was season but one. But they did yeah. have
0: Harry Mudd recur in a short trek.
1: Yeah, that that was my... That was my all-time, like, just for quality, that was my all-time favorite time loop episode of anything. Uh, especially <laughs> compared to the Star Trek The Next Generation Exploding Enterprise one. Um, but the,
0: all units, ship!
1: But, but the time loop episode of Legends of Tomorrow, by sheer virtue of the fact that the way they communicate to the other people over and over and over again, that they are in a time loop, because they only have limited time before the loop starts again, is by referencing Groundhog Day, uh, <laughs> is is just as enjoyable. Like I think, I think that should be the one that we do for next week.
0: Could probably be good considering I just wrote a pilot that has some time loopy things in it. So you did
1: yeah okay. So we are going to cross our fingers that next week's episode can appease both Neil and I um it seems highly unlikely at this point because they've got like the the foot is on the gas pedal for plot full stop and everything else is getting like knocked out of the way really really hard um but we're smallville always
0: surprised me the way it could bounce back like every now and again you just just have a gem of an episode when they had a work for hire writer that popped in there and could just do a passable job
1: yeah no it's true and i i think the the thing that this show is doing that Smallville didn't really do after the first four seasons and the first four seasons, I know we disagree on season four, but the first four seasons were my favorite seasons of Smallville. Um, the thing that this show is doing right out of the gate that Smallville didn't do is it's doing uh, a serialized story.
0: Yeah. Well, Smallville tried in the later seasons especially, but I don't. I think um, I noticed that I did actually look, because I make it my policy not to look at who the writers were, but I just wanted to see if any of the same names were coming up, because it seemed to me impossible that the quality could vary so vastly, and sure enough, the first two episodes were written by the same person, and then the third and the fifth, the two that I enjoyed, were also written by another person but the same person. So it seems like the farming it out to varying writers after having it been in the writing room is part of the casualty here. Yeah,
1: no, and that makes sense. Um, I don't think we're going to see... So how many episodes does this season get? 12 or 13?
0: I don't know. I thought it was 15, but I could be way wrong. If it's, I, I can actually check that. Um, and uh, it-, it-, it shouldn't take me too long here. So clicking onto the internet brother going in here i'll see you in the ring of whatever link i click um let's see so i have through one th- one through 11 on the titles and air dates site but that doesn't mean there aren't going to be more but i th- it is it really just 11 it could be that i thought it sense. was more
1: no, it could just be 11, because we're running into the end of the TV year, and this is a network TV show.
0: Weird. I thought for sure it was like 15. I thought they had been given... Maybe it was like 8, and then they turned it to 11. But... Right,
1: and that may be why we saw the decline in quality, because they had they had to rush to tell the story. <laughs> yeah. that... But that, well, that, that leads me to my final point um, yeah. for this week, and then I'm going to let you get to the other side of that well. It was a mistake to do Zod and the Kryptonians as a season one, uh, foil.
0: If they don't, I th- it leaves room for Edge to be the foil next season. But starting out with the the big one, I don't know. There's lots of room. There's Brainiac. There's Lex Luthor. There's all kinds of villains that they can still run with with a Superman show. So
1: there is. It just to me it seems like at this point in his career. Potentially post Doomsday, one would assume that (laughs) that introducing Zod and his Kryptonian outcast to the Phantom Zone at this point doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like you'd assume that he would have had that adventure earlier.
0: Or maybe he will know... Like, once he recognizes Zod, there will be some kind of history there. Or maybe it really is his brother. Do you really think it's his brother, Julian? Oh! You know what the freaking uh, MRI
1: machine is? What? It's, it's a, phantom a phantom zone, zone projector. projector. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. No. yeah <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's yeah, yeah. telegraphed. I didn't want to speculate. I tend not to speculate too much, but there's some stuff that's obvious, you know. Um, but it's it's going to be... I don't know, I don't know. Like when they say a thing like "brother," that's clearly on a cliffhanger. You know, it's gonna be in the colloquial sense. Yeah, and like as be, I get... as
1: I pointed out to Milo, it's a literal cliffhanger. They're floating by cliffs.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and plus, you know, like the idea that Superman had a twin brother that had to have been sent at the same time, or you know, like this was the this yeah, it, uh, whatever. Yeah,
1: yeah, um... yeah. Clark Clark has uh, has uh, Clarence.
0: Yes, <laughs> but a note of hope, a note of hope, Julie. And it, it it occurs to me that if it is an eleven season, eleven episode season, we've had four clunkers. Yeah, maybe no, five five. Clunkers five. now five yeah. clunkers. Now five clunkers. You could excuse three of those clunkers to well, we've got to come up with episodes in the middle of the season because we got an extended season order, and it could wrap back around to where they wanted to be and if you just completely forget the middle of the season we could end on the same upbeat good character notes that we began on
1: i sure hope so because here's the thing the people that are sticking around that love it that that send you like hate mail for picking it apart which has to feel yeah. all warm and nostalgic type of fuzzy for you um, strangely i
0: don't care yeah. i actually you know what bugs me is when they don't read it and then they comment because i'm like that's fundamentally unfair it's like if you hate me okay i'm a hateable dude to some people but like no, the, the i'm not gonna read it but i'm gonna criticize that me bugs all, me that's like me come work. on don't throw eggs at someone you don't you haven't even looked at <laughs> nah man we're old that's that's
1: the that's the modus operandi of internet commentary in 2021 so oh yeah i know so when, don't make me read when you were reviewing smallville don't read the comments had not yet become the truism that it is today
0: yeah no you could still find some conversation in the comments and now repeat, people are like i don't even want to write any write anymore tiktok is the thing and facebook is for old people because it's writing something yeah you know, I re- like i just want to see visuals
1: i remember <laughs> 200 uh 200 levels deep threads on posts on the superman homepage dissecting each episode of smallville when it came out and you would spend like a whole saturday going back and forth with people and like you know like it's
0: Yeah and get this, I wasn't mean and I always let people be mean to me and I was kind of kind back unless they got really mean you know and like there was interaction and we learned things as people and there was dialogue and we all learned something and we got somewhere instead of like what's happening now where I'm like I'm putting in an awful lot of work like eight to ten hours for each review and I'm putting it out there and people are like I didn't read it, but screw this guy. Um, <laughs> you know, no, you like know I get the. I read this, and you're so wrong. You're so wrong. I love that because no, that's but, fair, but, right? No,
1: but you're looking at this the wrong way. That just means okay. you've arrived because you're being met, <laughs> no, because you're being met with the standard troll move now, right? Right? It used to be that trolling was, I'm going to sit down and in front of everybody embarrass this guy by writing a comprehensive rejection of everything that he just said. Man, he's stupid. I can't wait to show everybody. (laughs) And then you've got a counterpoint argument.
0: Right?
1: Right. That's not what trolling is now. Trolling now is, I want to show my complete disdain for this person. What better way to do so than to be like, man, I didn't read that too long. What a loser.
0: <laughs> well, it's also, it's, it's more reductive. It's now tribal. It's like you're either a true Superman fan or you're not. You're either a Superman and Lois fan or you're not. If you are critical of it even once, you are not a true fan. It's the no true Scotsman. Which tells. is really funny
1: to me because when this show started... The loudest voices were, because keep in mind, this show started right when Zack Snyder's Justice League came out. And mm-hmm. so the loudest voices talking about this show were the people that were bashing it because it wasn't Snyder's Superman.
0: Yes. Right. Or calling- because, you know, Superman's been emasculated or they're sure to go into social justice warrior stuff. But right, let, me, right, let right. me be clear. No, wait, 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 wait. and wait some I had, okay, go I
1: had a point. I had a point. Yeah is, yeah
0: yeah.
1: My point is is that battle is over now. So the the Snyder cuts come out. Everybody's watched it 427 times. Um and there they aren't posting about how much more superior it is than every other iteration. Like that's all
0: done. Like that's gone. I'm not well, yeah, saying- because they 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 are done with their flash in the pan, fickle thought. Yeah,
1: right. And so that conversation is gone. And what you've got left is the people that enjoy the show, and there are the people that enjoy the show and come in and go, man, I disagreed with what Neil wrote. But I really like the show, and here's why I like the show. Spoiler warning. I see those comments all the time, and I appreciate those, right? Um, But then you've got, in the vacuum of where the Snyder guys were, there are the diehards. They are the the grandchildren of the Smallville can-do-no-wrong fan base that are, you know, I hate you die because you're criticizing this thing that I love. And that that to me just tells me that you've arrived. You you've 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 irked the diehard Superman and Lois fans. And you know what makes me happier than anything else in the world is that there are diehard <laughs> Superman and Lois fans.
0: That's kind of nice. Yeah. No. Well, let me. What? Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. Go ahead. Like. To, to well, please, I was just
0: gonna say. I think I can lay out a couple of things very very plainly. That I think I've said before, but I can put them in order so that they sound, um, so so that it's very clear. Thing one. I am not writing this for anybody but myself. If you enjoy it, good. If you want to read it, good. I hope that it is of sufficient quality that you think it is entertaining and that you get something from it and that you agree with me. If you do not, that's Okay. My intention is not for you not to enjoy the show. In fact, I hope that you think that I'm wrong and enjoy the show and have a great and wonderful time. I don't read the comments very often, but when I do, it is so that I can respond to thoughtful people. And if you are being a troll, I will mock you. And you're not going to hurt my feelings or bother me by saying something negative about me or my reviews. If you see a response to that, that is not me being hurt. That is me going, perhaps I can help this person not be a jerk. And I am long past the point of where I give one single crap what anyone thinks about my work. But if you think that you're minute, dashed off, slapdash, haphazard, pithy comment on the internet (laughs) is worth your time, it's not. It makes you look like a fool, all right? Because I don't care, but you wanna get my goat. You hate me, you don't like me because I've said something you don't like, Do what Julian does. Be like Julian and come up with what's wrong with what I've said and nail me to the floor with it. And not only will you get my goat, I will applaud you and thank you.
1: No, that's fair. I can appreciate that. All right. So Also,
0: I farted. I <laughs> farted. Yeah, brother, I
1: farted. Oh, Woo! I, I, I was hoping there wasn't going to be one more. Yeah, brother. Uh, <laughs> I was definitely. <laughs> yeah, scared. I don't. All I right. Care. So, so I think that's it for us this week, folks. Uh, we've only got a couple of episodes left. It looks like this season, and then I guess Neil, so. Neil and I are going to figure out what's next, but we're going to uh, we're going to tackle some more uh, of Legends of Tomorrow. And I really, 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 really want to deep dive season two of Arrow with Neil because season two of Arrow does the best villain treatment that um, a a DC based live action property has done with the exception of um, Heath Ledger as the Joker
0: in Deathstroke. (laughs) <laughs> deathstroke. i think i may have seen it but it would be worth watching again i think i watched the second season but i would like to deep dive in it yeah like
1: deathstroke is the most realized comic book page to live action adaptation of a dc villain i've seen and i and i put him in front of heath ledger's joker only because we get way more time with him so we get this huge emotional investment in his arc and he has a real arc that is believable and understandable and relatable and tragic and like just outstanding and was kind of the moment where people sat up and went oh this show about the archer guy who's a batman ripoff is actually
0: taking itself seriously what what what's going on <laughs> i tell you if they go they they do this many more plot inconsistencies i'm going to have me a dang death stroke um <laughs> one last closing note um i i have made a, an unforgivable error i told you about it julian but um I made the mistake of assuming that uh, Randy Macho Man Savage is the one that said brother a lot and that was actually Hulk Hogan. Someone brought it up in the comments and so I challenged him to a match in the ring. Uh, I will be issuing a public apology for that egregious error next week at the beginning of the review and we can talk at length about that we probably will. Well, we Neil, can talk at length about that. I
1: have lot. good news for you. What's The that? internet has taught me that we now live in a world where reality doesn't real. So in fact, your assertion was correct, and it was the Macho Man Randy Savage.
0: <laughs> I, the, the funny thing is, the part of me that knows when I'm wrong, and it's in there. I know when I'm wrong. Like I just I, like even if I can't articulate it, I know when I'm wrong. The part of me, part of me is going, wait a minute, wait a minute, Macho Man Savage said, "Brother," sometimes. Macho Man Savage did say brother because at said five years macho, ago.
1: Macho Man Savage. And that was the gag in Spider-Man said, oh, yeah. And he was the yeah. basis for Kool-Aid man.
0: Well yeah, no, of course he was Yeah, yeah You know, like yeah. like I of course th- that was him. He he did the Yeah, yeah, oh yeah like all the time. Own so But I don't know if it was just Hulk Hogan that said, Brother, you know, like I think Macho man meant Randy Savage, deep in the recesses of my memory was like, Oh yeah, brother You know, I think I, I can hear that in my brain. I think some part of me is right, but either way I'm going to own it and be wrong. <laughs> and 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 it, i i prepared a beautiful opening and apology also. well
1: all in the end in, in, in the intervening week i will see if i can find some archival wwf as it was called back before the world wildlife <laughs> foundation sued them for the name footage <laughs> and we'll we'll confirm whether you're right or not
0: should have put a panda in the ring yeah and on that note i will see you all next week thank you julian we'll see you next week thanks neil have a great week <laughs> Well hey there all you super cat coes and kittens. I'm not going to ask you to like or subscribe or add us on Facebook or Twitter because frankly I just don't care. Julian might, but you'd have to ask him. I am, however, an independent writer of novels, comics, and reviews. I don't get paid for that and I've been doing it steadily for 21 years. If you like what I do, and if you can, your support would mean a world of difference in my life. I have a website where you can find my books, neilbailey.com with an A in the Neil, N-E-A-L, not an I, and I have a Patreon where you can get exclusive early access to everything I do along with free copies of all my books and comics along with every new book and comic I make as they come out for the price of a coffee. Get yourself on over to www.patreon.com neilbailey and tell them Neil sent you. Thanks for listening.